Hello, and welcome to the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Lucy West, cardiology clinical pharmacist at Tufts Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm pleased to bring you our latest episode of the podcast. Today's episode is really exciting. I can't wait for you guys to hear our guest today. It's on healthy living with heart failure. Our first guest is Dr. Brittany Claiborne. She is a heart transplant recipient and cancer survivor who uses her psychology background as well as life experiences to connect, impact, and transform her audience. She's also our current chair of the HFSA Patient Committee. Our next guest is Elise Jones. She is the founder of Utah Yoga and Wellness. She is a yoga therapist who was diagnosed with a severe stage of heart failure in 2021. This ignited her passion for helping others with heart problems through movement and calming post-surgery breath work. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. All right, let's just hop right in, shall we? Brittany, we have heard your story on this podcast before, but to review, my understanding is that you were diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy, or a reduction in heart function after giving birth to your son. So you've got a new baby at home, and now you have this life-changing diagnosis. What was that like for your mental health? How did you manage all of that? That's an incredible question, Lucy. Having that diagnosis with a new baby was devastating. It was devastating mentally. It was devastating emotionally. And I did not manage it well. The thing I had to learn how to do during that time was to really truly lean into my community and become an advocate for myself. So there were times where I was told, oh, you just feel that way because you're a new mom or that's common right after pregnancy. But it was actually heart failure symptoms that I was experiencing. So the best thing that I did during that time was really listen to my body, trusted my body and had an amazing team of doctors that advocated for me as well. Absolutely. I know that with your first episode that you were on and to put in a plug for everyone to go back and listen to our first episode with Brittany and her doctor, Dr. Mark Drasner, you said to him, like, what do I do now? And he said, go out and do something amazing. And you have absolutely done that. But it's so important to recognize that you're not alone And so much of this is relying on your caregivers, your support team, and your community to get through some of these really difficult times, for sure. The community is so pivotal in going from failure to function. I wouldn't be able to do it without them. Definitely wouldn't be where I am without them. Now, Elise, you were diagnosed with heart failure more recently. How have you used your skills as a yoga therapist? Or just generally, how did you manage your own mental health through this journey? Well, becoming my own client became a game changer because I was able to utilize the breath work differently than I had before. And I was able to personalize it towards other people and made me want to share with the heart community that much more. And I do give myself a dark day. It used to be about once a week that now thankfully it's become just a couple times a month where I allow myself to feel. I think that's the most important thing is even though I focus on choosing joy and making decisions for positivity, I'm not going to feel happy all the time. And it's impossible to feel happy all the time. But by giving yourself a day or some space to 
feel upset, sad, angry, irrational, then eventually you don't want to stay there. And that's the difference is I choose not to stay there. I let myself feel the feels, then I feel it, and then I release it, and then continue to make positive choices, like therapeutically through movement and breath work has helped me the most is being able to say, okay, I'm realizing I'm feeling this way. I need to utilize these self-soothing tools to change it. I really, really appreciate you both being so honest about how difficult it can be and how you still continue to have your dark days because I think a lot of people go through this journey and don't realize that it is so difficult for many people and you're not alone in that. And it's to be expected, really, when you go through something like this, that it is going to impact your mental health. And so being able to find things that work for you or people that can help you is so, so important. And it honestly, like, Brittany, as someone who I've had a conversation with before in the past, like you have been the most positive person that we have had the pleasure of speaking to on this podcast. And you seem like such a bright ray of sunshine all the time. But how do you keep going each day? And like, what motivates you to continue to share your story with others? That is a huge compliment. Thank you. No, I am not a bright ray of sunshine every day. And I feel like my mom and my son and my best friends can tell you, yeah, no, not happening. They definitely get my dark days. And what keeps me going every day is, is I think very similar to what Elise said. I think becoming my own patient, becoming my own advocate and knowing that I can function through this and come out on the other side is really kind of the, the, the fuel in the tank. So Lucy, I actually want to ask you a question. <laughs> so much of as heart failure patients includes taking our medication. But honestly, I know for me, and Elise, you may feel the same way. It, it's kind of an added stress. Like it, it's hard to manage some days. So do you have any recommendations to help make our medication regimens as easy as possible, especially for people that are recently diagnosed with heart failure? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, going back to what you guys were actually saying, like, you don't have to do this alone. Definitely utilize your support people. Also, a lot of places do have pharmacists that are involved with care of patients, even if they're in the background. Always ask to talk to them or go to your local pharmacy if you've got a good relationship with the pharmacist there and talk to them about what works best. Of course, as pharmacists, we're always recommending, you know, utilizing a pillbox. If you take just time once a week to fill that pillbox and then you can sort of set it and forget it for the week, not actually forget it. You want to take your medicines, but it's also that visual reminder to take your medicines. And then also we understand that life happens. So if you get distracted and you didn't take your medicines right at 9 a.m., let's say it's like 30 minutes later and you're like, wait, did I take my medicines or not? You can see right there in the pillbox whether or not you've taken it. So that's just a really good tool that we recommend even for people who are on only one medication a day, let alone 10 to 15 like I know a lot of our patients are on. 
other people just find systems that work for them. And I would just say to be consistent with it. Alarms can also be helpful to remind you to stick to a specific schedule. So I know on like smartphones now, you can set alarms that go off at the same time every single day. And that way, too, if you're in the middle of doing something, you can just hit snooze and then it'll remind you again in nine or 10 minutes, whatever it is, to go back and take those medicines. So finding those systems that work best for you so that it's not just a constant daily like your life revolving around your medications, but rather you being able to live while also remembering to take your medications every day. I would say other important things is to bring an updated medication list to all of your appointments. That way too, like people are not always like trying to prescribe you medicines that maybe you're already on something like that, trying to limit any duplications in therapy or making sure there's no harm in like drug interactions and things like that. Also bringing updated medication lists to your pharmacy so that they know exactly what prescriptions they're filling and therefore you're not getting any extra medicines that maybe you're not taking anymore or getting a reminder like, hey, you have a prescription to pick up, but it's not something you're taking anymore. Um, So bringing those lists to your local pharmacy can also be helpful to make sure that you're only getting exactly the medications that you should be taking at that time. All of that is actually amazing advice. I have a pill box. At least you have a pill box. Oh, yeah. I have the ones that spin. I have colorful ones. <laughs> Use it to my ears. That's perfect. That's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And speaking of your medications, at least, how have you adjusted to managing your new medication regimen? You know, it's not hard to do that for me. As far as remembering and especially when you do make it fun and have a pill box and it kind of is exciting. (laughs) But it was hard mentally that I had to be on medications and just the reality that this isn't temporary. And I think that kind of goes through our heads back and forth. But in my line of work in therapeutic or specifically yoga, there's a lot of people that are anti-medication and I couldn't be more opposite. My medications have brought my heart to a place that I'm stable and I feel good and I feel better. It takes a long time to get there, but I feel like I have a really positive relationship with my medications. So as time has gone on, that frustration of, oh, I have to be on meds and look how many pills I have to take. And as long as insurance, which that's a whole different story, that's a whole different conversation, as long as it's covered. And sometimes that has to be a battle between them and the doctor. But as long as that's covered, it's it's good. And I'm at this point now where it sounds funny, but I actually enjoy it. It's part of just the daily regimen. It's not frustrating because I know what it does for me. Absolutely. It's self-care. And I don't, Yeah. unfortunately, it's been turned into something that's negative. Oh my God, I have to take all this medicine, so on and so forth. Right. But it actually is self-care and it actually is one of the best ways to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So Lucy, as a pharmacist, if we do take our medication as prescribed and maintain healthy lifestyles, can we eventually come off with these medications? Unfortunately, for the most part, the answer is no. Like Elise said, this is a lifelong journey. The medications that are used for heart function can help keep you out of the hospital, keep you living longer, can actually help the heart function over time get better for some people. So if we take you off of those medicines, we risk you having to come into the hospital for treatment or 
your condition worsening. And so taking your medicines lifelong is important. And for someone like you who has got the initial diagnosis, eventually had an LVAD, and now has gone through the heart transplant process, medicines will still be lifelong for you in order to prevent us from having rejection of your new heart and any sort of complications like that. So for a lot of patients, medications are lifelong. And I think that's a really hard realization for a lot of people, like Elise said. But having that positive relationship, understanding why you're on every medicine that you're on. So never be afraid to ask, like, why are you switching my medicines? Why are you adding on another one? Because understanding, I think, can also really help you and motivate you to continue to take them exactly as prescribed. That's a good point, right? I think a lot of the frustration does come because people don't understand why they are taking all of these different medicines. So, I think having that understanding is is huge for being an advocate and having, like Elise said, a positive relationship with your medication. So now that I know that I probably won't be getting off my meds anytime soon, <laughs> Lucy, I have a question. So I was traveling last week and my bag was delayed. It wasn't lost. It just like was on the plane behind me. And I had to check my bag at the gate. Like at the last minute, they're like, we ran out of overhead space. So I had to check my bag at the gate. And I was a terrible heart transplant patient and did not take my meds out of that gate check bag. So my meds went under the plane and they were with my delayed bag. And it was only a two day trip, but I called my team anyway. I mean, would it have been okay for me to miss a day or two of my meds? Okay. So I think the first important thing to address is that we recommend yeah. that everyone keep supply of their medicines on them and not check them so that you can, in this case, if your bags are delayed or get lost, you have supply of your medicine. So I know you learned that lesson, but I think that's an important point for everyone else, too. It is. We're going into summer and we're going to be traveling. So that's really, really important to remember right now. Exactly. Exactly. Now, the question of, is it okay to miss a day or two of your medicines? Of course, ideally you would not, but I think you took exactly the right steps in calling your team. You know, some of the medicines, it may just be, oh, when you have your supplies again, you can just restart the exact same dose you've been taking twice a day, once a day, however you take it. With some medicines, they may tell you to take a little bit extra since you missed one day, but you never want to just double up or adjust your medicines without talking to the team first and getting their advice. So I think, you know, the answer is no, it's not great to miss your medicines for one or two days. But in the event that that does happen, calling your team exactly like you did is the best solution for that problem. Okay, great. Well, that was fun uh, being in the hot seat for the first time. Um, but Brittany, you did ask quite a few really great questions. I think our audience will hopefully benefit from getting some of that information. And I always really enjoy when you've been on the podcast. Like I said before, you've been on here a couple of times and our conversations are always great. And I always leave feeling really inspired and motivated by you as well. So I, th I think now is a pretty good time to tell our listeners that you will be the new host of the Heart Player Beat Healthy Living podcast. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. 
so 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 much i'm so i'm so honored to be taking up such a pivotal role as a patient i'm so grateful for the opportunity to engage with the heart failure community and build upon what you've started i will make you proud and i will not miss any doses of my medication amazing <laughs> so now that i am holding the mic so to say is it okay if i ask you some questions elise of course awesome so I actually, you you mentioned some things. You mentioned a pacemaker. You mentioned another open heart surgery. Tell me about your journey here as a health expert with heart failure patients. Like what made you decide to work with this specialized group of patients and how exactly do you work with them? Because I was there and am there myself. First, first, I didn't have a pacemaker. I had a, a different kind of device that was taken out. That's what my open heart surgery was. But okay. When I was recovering from my open heart surgery specifically, and I felt the depression and I, and I physically couldn't move, and I know I was healing, but I also noticed that a lot of those feelings prolonged for a very long time after that. And going through the work myself to get myself out of that and to try and stay positive and not just say, oh, well, now I have a heart condition. I can't, I can't, I can't to all of these things. I focus more on what I can do rather than what I can't. And that's what I wanted to help other people with is it doesn't have to be doomsday. And I can't imagine being in your position, Brittany, with the history that you have. And I mean, just over and over and over again. And look at you now. I mean, you are, you're going to be doing this podcast and you're helping other people. So I think it's this, it's the same thing where if, if something that has helped me can help someone else, then it's worth it. And you know, with COVID, I wasn't able to go into hospitals and, and help people specifically with breathing patterns and even where to breathe in your lungs and to not move your chest, but still fill your lungs completely to keep them healthy, all those things. So I started doing it online. And that's how I kind of built this community. And I recognized that I initially started because I wanted to help other people. But oh, my goodness, have I been helped in so many ways. And I developed a support system for myself, unbeknownst to thinking I was going to help someone else. And there were so many times I would just be in tears of gratitude because someone helped me by explaining what they did when they went through something that I related to. And so it just is such a special community when we're all depressed and happy and sad and joy and everything all the time. <laughs> like we get it. And understand the frustration of everything that this entails. And so the more we can help each other, the better. Are you still doing those online classes yeah. through the Utah Yoga and Wellness? Yes, I, I see clients that way. And I've actually kind of catered more towards that kind of client versus heavy trauma that I used to do before, because I don't think it's fair for the other person if I'm not in a good space myself to be able to help them. So I kind of stick with what I know, so to speak, with heart-specific things. But I've had people message me through social media, through in other countries and say, hey, my husband just had heart surgery. Would you like, are you able to do this online? And so we'll Zoom or FaceTime. And that started that is just kind of this underground community of face-to-face -face teaching people how to do these breathing techniques that can help calm you as well as keep you healthy during recovery, opening your lungs. And then... Every Monday, I do a live, I call it Mindful Monday, just if people want to chime in and do breath patterns and breathing with me, but it's specifically without saying it, because I say it all the time, but it's, you don't have to have a heart condition or heart problem to do this, but this is basically why I started it. 
just for that community and try and be there as much as I can. It's not necessarily about building a clientele. It's the reverse. I mean, I feel like the purpose of my position as a yoga therapist is to eventually never be needed. So if I can share with other people to have the tools to self-soothe so they can take those tools and empower themselves, that's what I want to do. And so people can reach out to me or I try and just do once a week, just however I can to get to get that out there. That's awesome, Elise. And I'm I'm going to have to join you for one of those mindful Mondays and get some breath work. Because like you said, so as as someone that has heart failure, but I didn't just finish surgery or anything like that. I feel like it could still be beneficial just as a stress reliever, right? Absolutely. It's and it, that it's what started as post-surgery healing. It's like, well, it doesn't stop. It's not like, okay, all of a sudden I'm okay. I don't need to calm down anymore. <laughs> you know, these are tools that we need all the time. And it, it actually does. Now I will say very bold letters with your medications. It does help your body heal. It helps your body calm. And those are the things that we need, especially when our hearts react differently than other people's when we're under stress. That actually leads me to a question that I have for both you, Elise, and Lucy. So our medication and our physical management is at the epicenter of our ability to function well through heart failure. Those are two of the main questions that we hear when we walk into our doctor's office is, are you exercising? Are you taking your medicine? So Elise, what's the most common question or possibly excuse that you hear about medication affecting someone's ability to exercise or have a nutrition regimen? And Lucy, whatever Elise comes up with, will you mind replying to that? Sure. Great questions, Brittany. Those are things that I struggle with myself. <laughs> so <laughs> I will give you my own. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Because I assume they're similar and they, ha they have been similar to a lot of people. For instance, let's start with the exercise thing. The main reason why, like, I feel I was very lucky in this category because I was already practicing and teaching yoga and roller skating. And my doctors actually said to me, if I could choose two things for you to continue to do, it would be those two things because your heart's not going up and down you can maintain a healthy level without like running up a hill. So exercise kind of became a little bit scary for me at first. And I'm still going through the understanding process of what my heart can handle. And being on limited, very limited sodium, very limited fluids during the day, I know what my limits are. And I'm not going to go out. I mean, I'm one of those people that's like, hey, I can't run anymore. Great. I hate running. But there's other things I can do in a healthy way to maintain a healthy heart that doesn't have to be pushing it too hard. And there's a lot of power in backing off. There's a lot of power in doing something else that doesn't push so hard. So it's not about, oh, I can't do that anymore. It's, I can do this or I can do this differently. It's a positive mindset versus I can't. And then with the diet, it's hard <laughs> because I'm that person that's like, oh, well, what doesn't have sodium in it? Hmm. Sugar. So I tend to. <laughs> so I kind of went really far on the opposite spectrum. So now it's just really is finding that balance. And any restaurant you go to, it's not that you can't, but definitely look at there. If it's a chain restaurant, they have all their nutrition listed in their website. And it's amazing 
those of you with heart failure that are hopefully listening, it's amazing how much sodium is in every single thing we eat. Everything. And it doesn't always have to be the box bag or can. So when you're at a restaurant, like I was surprised to see things that like salmon and chicken that I thought were healthier are twice the sodium as beef if you eat meat because meat doesn't really have to be salted as much. And little things like that or two tablespoons of salad dressing has my daily allowance. So exchange that for squeezing lemon, lime, and orange over your salad. It's funny because I've actually learned to prefer healthier options for many things when before I was complaining that I had to eat healthier. And now it's like, you know what? Now that I haven't eaten X, Y, and Z for so long and I've exchanged it for this, I actually prefer this. And so it again, it's a mindset of I'm not I'm not saying I'm the healthiest eater, but I'm learning and I'm trying and I'm I'm working with, okay, it's either this or swollen for the next three days. It's either <laughs> this or I possibly go in the hospital, like choose your poison. So it becomes this mindset of what you can do instead of what you can't. Yeah. And I think too, it's important to note that everyone is going to be a little bit different. The amount of exercise that they can do is going to be different. The amount of fluid that they should be intaking is going to be different. How much salt you can have. Like there are general recommendations but I always recommend going back and having a conversation with your doctors. I know sometimes it can be hard when you show up to your clinic visit and there's they're seeing a bunch of patients that day and they want to talk to you about your medicines and your test results. And there's usually focus on those things. But definitely don't be afraid to, like Brittany always talks about, advocate for yourself. Have them sit down and ask them those questions. What can I reasonably do in terms of exercise? We had another episode on this podcast, another plug for uh, everyone to listen to all of our episodes on the podcast, but about cardiac rehab. That's a really good option for a lot of people who want to get back into exercise, but want to be monitored and who are nervous to be doing too much on their own. Definitely ask them, you know, like I'm actually working out a fair amount, like Elise, who's rollerblading and everything else. She's probably sweating a little bit more. She might not need to actually drink a little bit more water than some other people. So I think having those open conversations and asking your doctors what's reasonable for you is really, really important. And going back to like the medications and like excuses for how the medicines impact your daily living, essentially, always communicate with your team like beta blockers, for example, like metoprolol and carvedilol. They're going to make you feel crummy. Sometimes you're going to feel more fatigued. You may not be able to do all the exercising that you want. But if that's important to you, that should be a conversation with your team because you are the most important member of the healthcare team. Like you as the patient, you are a part of those conversations and that decision making. So definitely be open about how you're feeling and we can discuss risks and benefits and figuring out what works best for you specifically. Can I touch on one thing as well? Yeah. Is something I forgot to mention that you brought to my attention is, you know, when I say that here's what works for me, here's what I can do, it's 10 minutes at a time. Gone are the days of thinking that, okay, I've got my 30 minutes or 60 minutes. I mean, who cares? It's If you're feeling good, 
for 10 minutes, do it for 10 minutes because there's nothing worse than pushing yourself too hard because you think you have to have so much time in, especially if you're someone that's used to a lot of activity and then all of a sudden you have to minimize that. Just focus on what you can do for minutes at a time. Maybe it's 10 minutes here and there, but it's okay to back off. It's okay to slow down because that's what we all have had to do. And again, you can find so much power in listening to your body. Like I'm very grateful. Actually, when I see that my legs are really swollen or my face starts to get really swollen, instead of freaking out at first, now I say, oh, my body's talking to me. It's responding. Something's happening that I need to communicate with. And it's telling me what's going on. So, you know, your body tells you what it needs. So listen to it when it tells you to slow down. So at least what is one thing that all of us from an exercise or a health standpoint can implement into our daily lives to kickstart our heart failure journey from failure to function? I would say, well, positivity is one thing, but it's, it doesn't mean that you're happy all the time. You have to give yourself time to, if I dare say the word grieve, because sometimes you're, you are grieving yourself, you know, and it's a different kind of feeling. But I would say get a hobby because whether it's exercise or not, finding something that you enjoy doing is one of the best things you can do for mental health, which rolls over into emotional health, which is how you feel about those things, and then your physical health. So maybe it's hard to do some of the things physically, but you really enjoy cross-stitch or puzzles or, I mean, just something that gets you involved and gets you motivated that can help your mental state. And then once you're there, maybe walking will be something eventually. Because once you feel good inside, that's going to snowball. And rather than jumping off this ledge saying, okay, now I'm going to start this exercise routine. And it's hard. It's really hard. The motivation's not there. Medications have a lot to do with it. You're not feeling, you're not feeling up to it. So just start with a simple hobby that makes you happy, that makes you feel joy. That's it. Just something, one little thing that can keep you motivated every day. I love that one little thing. That's perfect. Let's start with one little thing. Yeah. And I, I'm saying things like that because depression is very common in our world, you know, and something as simple as putting your shoes on and going outside is a big deal. So just start with something small. Find something you enjoyed. For sure. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you both so much for being on the show today and having me on for one last episode too. Having a healthy lifestyle <laughs> and like Elise said, doing one little thing each day to feel good and to give you that positive outlook can be so, so important, especially when you're living with heart failure. I'm sure this topic will be very popular among all of our audience. It's been an absolute pleasure serving as the host of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living podcast. And I can't wait to see where Brittany takes the show. Brittany, you want to uh, close us out for the first time? Lucy, we are so lucky to have had you host and impart such amazing wisdom to us. You have been spectacular. We will for sure have you back as often as possible. Every time Tufts lets us borrow you. But until then, enjoy your newfound freedom. <laughs> to all the listeners of the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. For more patient-related content, visit the website at hfsa.org backslash patient and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 
Don't forget to share your story with us on these platforms using hashtag MyHFStory2023. Lucy, thank you again. Elise, we appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you all for joining us, listening in, and have a great day. Thank you.